every part of the gin and tonic I fully enjoy. I love the gin, I love the tonic, I love the lime. Like it all comes together for the perfect whole. And the perfect whole is, well, I will just leave it there. Previously on Booze and Buffy. Uh, not reading rooms is a recurring trait for our beloved Cordy. He is like getting off on on being a dick to Buffy. And like he even says, it gives me a tingly feeling, which is gross. Like Xander's just a Chad, um, but like... Uh, but Willow is the w- biggest yeah. Chad of all this week. Yeah, no, it's true. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one. We will be spoiling the episode we're talking about, but there will be no spoilers for future episodes or future spinoffs. I'm Harrison, and I'm five by five. Actually, if I'm being honest, I'm probably like one by three today, but whatever. Well, way to bring it down. <laughs> and uh, and I'm Jason, and slang does make me both hungry and horny. Mm. Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? We are watching season three, episode three, Faith, Hope, and Trick. This is the one where we meet the titular characters of Faith, Hope, and Trick. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, there's a new slayer in town by the name of Faith. Uh, Buffy is uh, we played by new, the wonderful Eliza, Eliza Dushku. Dushku. Oh my gosh! Um, and uh, we meet Buffy is we meet a, a new potential love interest for Buffy and a new uh, potentially recurring villain of the season. Um, the I American Psycho lie, Vampire, but uh, Mr. Trick, <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Um, I say this a lot about episodes I really like, but like economy of storytelling. So much happens in this episode. And That's it's not true. Like a, it's not like a big bombastic episode, like a passion or a becoming or something like that. But wow, we got a lot to talk about. Um, so I'll shut yep. the fuck up and let you go. <laughs> uh, Faith, Hope, and Trick was written by David Greenwalt and directed by James A. Contner. And originally aired October 13th, 1998. Uh, Jason, your drink looks interesting. What is it? Uh, So once again, I delved into my uh, Drinks of the World box set. And uh, this is a mojito because uh yeah. last because last night i um or not last night is actually uh before no right after we recorded yesterday um i went and uh i went to run for like essential supplies which included a liquor store run of and course. um yeah i bought some wine which i thought about drinking but um then i remembered that uh like half the drinks in this box set require rum and the only rum I had was uh, was um, Captain Morgan spiced rum, which doesn't really like do well for mixed drinks. Mm, so really. I ended up just buying like kind of like just regular uh, aged rum, and uh, then I decided to break it in. And mojito sounded the most interesting. Very nice. Yeah, I do recall that box set being um, rum heavy. <laughs> like, yeah, like and and just like and I think just one thing with gin which surprised yeah. me 
Well, I, we don't buy a lot of rum. Like, we will. Like, I, I don't have anything against it. But, like, generally, if we're buying liquor, uh, we're mostly a gin and bourbon house. And, a, and like, sometimes vodka. Um, and, like, a lot of wine and beer. Um, so, like, we really have to be, like, wanting to make, like, a specific type of drink to buy rum. Yeah. Or, like, tequila or something like that. One of the first, um, one of the first liquors that I actually, uh, really liked was Sailor Jerry's Spiced Rum. Mm. So, uh, if I do, like, if I am feeling in the mood for rum, it's normally that and just that. Like, I don't think about making, um drinks that have rum like mojitos or uh, i think cuba libres have rums as well maybe or is that tequila uh you you cut out there for a second say it again uh cuba libres or does that have rum or is that tequila i I have no idea i've never heard of that drink before (laughs) okay um anyway uh yeah so this will be like this will be like an interesting thing i don't think i've ever had a mojito before so we'll see what happens when i have a uh a an out of the box mojito. <laughs> All right. Well, it's your turn to. Well, what are you drinking? In. Oh shit! Uh, I forgot that I didn't say that. Um, I am once again drinking a gin and tonic. Um, Consistency. And, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also may, had to make an essential run this morning. I like how we're both like covering our asses. It's like, don't worry. When we went out, it was essential. I like, think. <laughs> I think our listeners will agree that um, liquor runs are essential. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I specifically was making a grocery run, um, and the liquor store is in the grocery, so that was handy dandy. Um, uh, the store was out of, uh, of bleach, uh, and I don't mean the cleaning supply. I do mean for my hair. Um, listeners, by the end of this quarantine, I'm going to be fucking blonde. Um, also this is, uh, Jason's look, Jason's face is like, oh no. (laughs) I, (laughs) you, I don't think you've ever had like any bad hair. Um, like I remember Thank when you. your hair was oh my god! I, I remember when your hair was blonde for that Doctor Who play that you did, uh, which is like the only mm-hmm. time I've really seen it just like shock blonde or whatever. Um, well, that's the only time I've ever dyed it blonde. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so listeners, I, I dye my hair a lot, but my I typically go for red, but I will dye it black periodically, and I did dye it blonde once. But I am planning on going back to blonde. Uh, you know, that famous Amy Winehouse song, Back to Blonde. Yeah, I believe that was, um, that was on uh, Amy Winehouse's famous album. Uh, not an actual Amy Winehouse album. <laughs> I just realized I had no things off the top of my head for Amy Winehouse album names. I mean, she only had the two. They're Frank and Back to Black. And then okay. there was one released posthumously called uh, Lion, I think, or Lioness, something like yeah, that. Yeah, for some reason, the first thing that came to my head was Jagged Little Pill. I'm like, no, no, that's Alanis. Nope. That Alana, is, a, that's that Alana. is straight up Alanis. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, um, let's talk about this episode. Yeah, we. Uh, you have to toast us in. Oh, I do have to toast us in. All right. Um, See, I uh, fucked. I fucked us up. I fucked us up. It's my <laughs> my fault. Okay. Um, here are to the new badass friends that show up 
out of nowhere and kill vampires. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Never be afraid to let somebody new into your life. Agreed. Chaz. Clink. <laughs> Do you know how much I fucking love gin and tonics? I A know lot. you know, but yeah. but listeners, <laughs> like <laughs> this is interesting. It's 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 heavy on the citrus vibes. Um, oh yeah. Which I mean, I, I assume that the majority of those like rum based drinks kind of mm-hmm. like work with the citrus juice because I know that yeah. they, I know that another one in there is blue Hawaiian and I know that Mai Tai is in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. The blue Hawaiian was the thing you tried to drink with gin and uh, yep, <laughs> didn't go well. Follow the directions, Harrison. No. I don't think I like this as much. <laughs> I don't think I like this as much as the Singapore sling, but I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing ever. Listen, in in times of emergency, you drink what you gotta drink. Yeah, I like that. I've had this box set for like years, and oh, yeah. yeah, like my mom bought it for me for Christmas, and John's parents bought it for us. <laughs> yeah, and like it, uh, it, it's just been like sitting on what, like either on the top of the fridge or in a liquor cabinet, whatever, for like the last couple places that I've lived, like both my parents house and the apartment that i just moved out of so i'm like you know what maybe now's the maybe now's the time that i actually like try to drink some of these <laughs> i'm i'm looking at ours because we've i can see it's it's on the um it's on the bar in our dining room so I'm, like i'm looking right at it and i can see we still have the mai tai in there and we have like one more but it's blocked right now so i can't tell what it is okay I think like I'm gonna Still try to time. do as much variety as I can. So maybe maybe next episode I'll have a uh, I'll have one of the ones that are vodka based, which uh, kind of more in my wheelhouse. It it sounds like you're gonna have like a different drink every week, and Harrison's gonna be like, "I'm drinking a gin and tonic again." <laughs> That's okay. You know what? You're like season three of Buffy, consistent. Thank you. You're, you're coming in really fast with the compliments this episode. It's like, because, it's, because me? It, it, it's probably because like I don't spit I haven't spent enough time like in your presence. So <laughs> so like I'm like, oh, you know what? From like several miles away, Harrison's not that bad of a guy. Also, I did give you that Charlotte's Web compliment on Facebook as well. So uh, you did. Oh my gosh. You're you're really buttering me up. I, I'm hey, distrustful. What, what can I say, man? Um, so, speaking of buttering, Willow is uh, Willow is, is uh, trying to uh, leave campus because seniors are allowed to go off of off of campus to go eat lunch, mm-hmm. and uh, she probably wants to go eat something where they give rolls, and the rolls will have butter supplied with them. That was a really good transition. I try. Um, but it's so, so funny because she's making such a big deal about this. And she's like standing next to Oz. And she's just like going on and on. And you realize, oh my God, she's not going to do it. And Xander and Oz both like lift her up and then like move her away from the school. And she's like, no, what if it's a lie? What if they've changed the rules last minute? And it's really good because clearly Oz and Xander have coordinated this like prior to they, they knew exactly what her reaction was going to be. 
Um, it's it's a really good moment. I I am curious, Jason. So, even as a high school senior, we definitely were not allowed off of campus for lunch. Was that a thing at your high school? Um, we were not allowed off campus. I think um, I'm trying to remember if you had to be a certain grade level to eat outside because we had like the one circle, like the the pick up and drop off circle. Mm-hmm. which is right outside of cafeteria. And I remember seniors going out there to eat when the weather wasn't terrible. Um, but I honestly, I, I feel like most people were either, um, they were either in the uh, cafeteria or, yeah, pretty much just in the cafeteria is the only place there was to eat. I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know if we had people who ate outside, but I also don't know if it was like a rule that you couldn't or just that there really wasn't a good place to eat outside like in all fairness the um we did both go to catholic high schools yes so um rival catholic high schools private rival catholic high schools (laughs) and um so if you were wondering why we are this way there it is i mean there's a lot more to the story but that's a huge chapter that's a that's seasons 14 through 18 of Jason. Is this is this going to be your thing now? Where you, I, you know, you I, refer I, to I, years of your life as seasons? I, I, I'm just, fine with it. I just listened to our Anne episode, and I did like hear myself say, oh, and this is season 30 of Jason. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That's actually kind of fun. <laughs> I... I I remember... So when we were recording, you said that, and I was like what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I did not get it. But I just I just kept going. And then when I was editing the episode, I was like, oh, he's... He, okay, I understand now. <laughs> so that was that was an experience for me. <laughs> glad to... Uh, glad to give you that experience. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so... Um, Buffy's, like, set up a little picnic for everybody. Um, it's so cute. Yeah, and uh, she, uh, Willow mentions that uh, she and her mom have the meeting with Principal Snyder, who has been strong-armed by Mr. Giles to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to uh, let Buffy back in. And um, um, Real quick, before they, before they even see Buffy, um, I, just, I wrote down this quote because I think it's important. Um, they decide they need to uncouple in front of Buffy. And Cordelia says, oh, because the only guy who ever liked her turned her into a vicious killer and had to be put down like a dog. (laughs) And I I don't have anything more to say. I think Cordelia summed it up. Cordelia (laughs) giving you that season two (laughs) recap. (laughs) Um, uh, Also, I wanted to... uh, like, the purple hat isn't back in this episode, but Willow does have a very fuzzy sweater. It is so... Well, she has two in this episode. Okay. One is like a... One is like a light blue kind of green... Like, blue-green number that she wears in this first scene. And then the other one is like orange that she wears with it when they're at the bronze. Yeah. Um, later in the episode. Um, listeners, if you are... Um, if you love Willow's outfits, I would encourage you to search for a BuzzFeed article called The Definitive Ranking of Willow Rosenberg's Sweaters. Um, I will say, just be careful. There are a lot of spoilers in there for later seasons. So if, you, if, you're not, if you've not seen the whole show, 
proceed with caution. Yeah, you do but... not want this showcase of sweaters spoiled for you. <laughs> it does. I will. Outside of the outfits, it does actually talk about certain plot points. So um, related to Willow's arc over the show. So. Um, but oh my god, it's so fucking funny. And some of these sweaters, some of which we've seen and commented on, and one of which we will see later this season <laughs> that is my favorite thing that Willow wears ever in the whole show. Jason, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think so, not off the top of my head. So it's, I'll just it's in it's in Doppelgangland. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's so, good. listeners who know, you know, and <laughs> listeners who don't, it's just a little fun little thing that you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna. I lost it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> Buffy's trying to start talking about how she wants to get her life back on track, wants to get everything back together, and um, she's obviously in a much better state now than in the last episode. Yeah. No, I wanted to say that too. Like. I think this picnic scene is really important to showcase that all of the shit from last week, the group has has successfully moved on from it. Yeah, um, and they are they are together, um, and that's nice. And in uh, the um, yeah, and then they talk about how oh, there's this guy Scott Hope who. Um, Kind of. We've never heard of before. Yeah, we've never heard of before, but he uh, he apparently has a thing for Buffy. Willow knows about it, and Willow's like, "Oh, you know what? Maybe you should go for it." And uh, maybe you should do that thing with your mouth that the boys like—the half smile. <laughs> but of course, like, I'm very good at that thing with my mouth that the boys like. Yeah, that's what John says. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> God, I hope no one in my family is listening. <laughs> if they are, they're probably just like, well, that, that only took about like 20 minutes. <laughs> Listen, I've given a blowjob before. Once. One time. <laughs> really? Gross. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. And so then that night, a, uh, a limo is driving up to town. Mm -hmm. And uh, it drives up to Happy Burger not the uh, not the most important um, not the most important burger place in Sunnydale, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> and in sorry, uh, I just wasn't expecting that reference. Honestly, honestly, I was like looking for that name of that burger place when they drove up to this, and like Happy Burger. That's disappointing. <laughs> um, but yeah, then you got this some um, really tricked out slick looking vampire named mr trick was and, that on purpose um not really in okay. fact like as soon as i said <laughs> trick down like oh great i'm gonna say trick twice now um <laughs> tricks are for kids uh anyway um he's basically talking about how like oh yeah you know there, like sunnydale's a lot of crazy stuff going on a lot of, good for the vampires and um he orders like what a medium diet coke or something yeah, he orders a medium diet soda. He does not specify which soda. He says soda. And it's 89 cents. In California. <laughs> 1998. It's like weird. Like, I, it's weird to like focus on certain things when you're like, like dating, like when things are like being dated. 
But like that for me, I would say 89 cents for a medium soda at a drive-thru. No. Of course, they're also probably smaller than they are now because I feel like as prices gone up, sizes have gone up as well. Because oh, absolutely. I remember when I went to Wendy's for the first time in a long time, and uh, this was like maybe a few years back. I didn't really go to Wendy's too much after college. But then um, and I remember just wanting a medium drink, and the drink they gave me looked like a large. And I'm like, <laughs> good Lord, this is a medium drink? And then I noticed like the other cup size. I'm like, dang, man. Yeah. I don't know if well, there's a place like that, on, but Wendy's uh... is like that too. No, it really is everywhere. That joke on Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah, the child the, size. The child size. It's like, this is a child size. It's like a bucket they give her. And she's like, yes, it is roughly the size of a three-year-old child if that child were in liquid form. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so... Um, and basically, like, uh, this guy with cloven hands that... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is sitting next to Mr. Trick in the shadows um, says like, oh, I, I just want the Slayer. And uh, he's just like going into this ridiculous, weird detail about like, oh yeah, I'm going to like kill her and rip her apart and everything. And then Mr. Trick's like, well, now I'm hungry. So then he like grabs that poor fast food attendant at the drive-thru window. And this uh, poor like pimply kid who's like just working his part-time drive-thru job. Which... Given poor like kid. how important I feel, I feel bad for him, which given how important drive-through people are right now, feels even I, worse. I had that exact thought as I was watching it. I was like, no, he's an essential worker. Is it? Isn't it weird how like our perceptions of what we're watching has like changed? Oh, absolutely. Like I, any time I've watched a show recently, and there's like people like get out in public and like hugging each other, I'm like. I like I, I I like Andy comes out of me and I'm like y'all can't be doing that. <laughs> Good old Uncle Andy. <laughs> uh. Um. So Jason, with this introduction of Mister Trick, I what's your just based on this episode? What are your your thoughts on Mister Trick? I literally do think he's like if Patrick Bateman were a black vampire. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really accurate. <laughs> I. I like Mr. Trick. I think he is, I'll be honest, 10 times more interesting than Kikistos. Yeah, like, Taquitos is not really that important. <laughs> my o- the only reason I have any interest in kissing trousers is, is Faith's reaction to him, not him himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, like... You said kissing trousers, which I know is like what Buffy says, but we just talked about blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's fair. No, that's fair. That's that is fair. Okay, so um, uh, there's the intro music, and uh, then uh, we go to Buffy having yet another moment with Angel, who looks surprisingly good in the white shirt. I mean, I shouldn't say oh, surprising. Yeah. He's David Boreanaz. He looks good in everything. No, but he's like... I. He looks good in everything. I think he looks even better out of everything. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. But, you know, no, there is... <laughs> there is something about this white t-shirt that, like, really worked I don't even think me. it was I a was white t-shirt. Like, mm. I think, like, it was a... Um, it had long sleeves, I'm fairly certain. 
did it? Yeah. Regardless, I was horny. <laughs> and I hadn't even slayed yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, that this, unlike um, unlike Buffy's other dreams, turns bad real quick. <laughs> like the the clottering falls to the ground, and then like uh and, like when Angel tries to pick it up, like there's all the scenes of like angel dying at the end of season two and then he's like mm-hmm. he's like go to hell and then like he's just this rotted face of him and uh this makeup is great the the like zombie angel makeup i thought looked really good yeah yeah it's um it's really cool when you have like practical effects uh, sorry for the tangent but uh the last episode of westworld that was on like that makeup that tessa thompson had at the end was phenomenal yeah like spoilers if you haven't seen the last episode of like westworld this is your chance and by last episode of westworld i'm suddenly doing the math of when this episode will air but um episode six of season three of westworld yes she's like charred um and it looked really good yeah no like i I love it when you can have like incredible makeup artists like that. And I think we talked mm-hmm. about incredible makeup artists last week as well. Um, yeah, we t- so, when we were talking about Star Trek. Yeah, um, yeah, it's great. And uh, speaking of incredible makeup artists from Star Trek, we go back to Armin Shimmerman as Principal Snyder. <laughs> okay, so I know we talked about how last week, like, um. Uh, uh, Principal Snyder is kind of like horny for expelling Buffy. Yeah. This episode, Joyce is like kind of horny for getting back at him. Yeah. Um, and you know, half of me is like, oh yeah, definitely like rub his face in it or whatever. But at the same time, I think maybe this is like a sign that I've actually matured. But there's a part <laughs> of me that's like, look, he's giving you these terms and just be the bigger person. Be like, thank you. I'm glad to be back at this school and then walk out. But Buffy's oh. not like that. Joyce is not like that. Uh, they they are not. Oh my God. Never have they ever looked more like mother and daughter <laughs> than in this scene. That's like, true. Oh my gosh. I love a united Joyce and Buffy front because it is unstoppable. But I don't know. I, I, I do agree with you on principle, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but like in this instance, he's so loathsome that I'm just like, no, any chance you've got to take this motherfucker down, do it. And I feel like um, and I feel like maybe five years ago I probably would have been that same boat. <laughs> but maybe this is just like a maybe you know what, I'm part of corporate America now or something like that. So <laughs> So uh, maybe that's a. Uh, I just maybe I'm starting so, to turn into the man. Um, I just think he's been so like we talked about last week, and I just mentioned it. Like he like gets off on it. Like he derives this weird, gross pleasure from it. Yeah. That it's like it honestly, Joyce for me could have like reached across that desk and punched him in the nose, and that would have been like, yeah, man, you had it coming. Um, I do like that he clarifies that she has to get a letter of recommendation from a member of the faculty who isn't a, an English librarian. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I was like, that is a, that's a nice touch there, uh, Principal Snyder. <laughs> yeah, no, and like, I, I knew, I knew it was coming, even though it's been years since I've seen this episode. I'm like, yep, that's, I knew that was coming. Uh, but yeah, and she's got to take a, she's got to take makeup tests for all the classes mm -hmm. that she, that she uh, missed the end of last year, and yeah. um, which, which is like we don't. Most of her focus in this episode that isn't slang. Yeah, it is a big focus of her episode, and it's um, the episode doesn't draw a huge amount of attention to it. But I feel like we should. She fucking passes all of them. Yeah, and, and, and like it also seems like she does it. Like I mean, she probably has help from Willow um, a little bit, but it uh, it seems like a lot of it she does on her own. And I mean, yeah, yeah. like good for you, Buffy. I, I was very proud of Buffy in this episode. So she is very uh, much um, trying to go to. Uh, she's very much trying to get back to that place that she was at. And she's ready to do mm -hmm. the work, um, both yeah. both like with, academically and socially. Yeah, um, with one obvious exception, which is also a major through line of this episode, um, is the dealing with Angel. And you know what? Let, that takes us into our next scene, actually. Yeah. Um, well done. Um, and Thank it's really you. funny, like, Buffy and Willow are like, when they are in the library, they're like, oh, where's Giles? And then she... It's good. It's good. Oh, my gosh. Um, hang on. I want to make sure I get this right. She's like, oh, you know what's really funny about Giles? Like, when he's upset about something, but he doesn't want to say that he's upset, so he makes that weird clucking sound in his throat. And... And then right when she says that, like, Giles pops up and Willow's like, oh, no. Yeah, it is. Well, it's great because she has her back to the circulation desk. So she doesn't see him stand up. Buffy does. And she's like, hi, Giles. Hi, Giles. And Willow's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Except Willow would never. <laughs> Willow is poor. Willow is, like, taking some big steps. I mean, now she's, like, kind of, like goofing on teachers she's clowning on teachers and she's like <laughs> oh i'm like taking the big step off of campus for my senior lunch <laughs> uh but anyway um uh giles tells buffy that he's working on a spell to make sure that a Cathala, the uh world consuming demon that angel mm -hmm. tried to angelus tried to awaken in the season two finale he um he's trying to make a spell that like permanently seals up a cathola and so yeah. he asked for he needs like as as much circumstances as he can get and um from buffy like he needs like a, a clear description of the um of what happened and she gives like a fairly fairly brief play-by-play -play. and um yeah and then uh but then she has to she doesn't give like any of the important mm -hmm. details yeah. Uh, and then she said, and I think this is where we really the see. This is the where it is made very clear because it really hasn't been addressed. It wasn't addressed at all in the previous episode. Um, it's it's made clear that while they know that Buffy killed Angel, no one except for Buffy knows that Willow's reinsolment was successful. Yeah, Willow has a feel. Willow ha Willow had a feeling. That the spell worked, mm -hmm. but um, in the end, like it, they were more focused on like Buffy not being there. Yeah, Buffy has to uh, race off because she has an English makeup final, 
And they uh, do give you credit just for speaking it, right? Yeah. And that immediately reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from King of the Hill when uh, Bobby gives his report card to Hank and he's like, an F in English, Bobby, you speak English. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good, like, that was a good Hank I can actually do, like, a lot of that cast fairly well. I mean, like, (laughs) Boomhauer just, he's like, hey, old man, don't dang old dang old man, old man, you get on there, like, go click, 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 instant pornography. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, and uh, one more thing to note is that um, Willow is, like, really trying to get in on this spell action. Like, mm-hmm. it's it, it's becoming, like, more and more obvious that, like, hey, this is something we need to pay attention to. Willow's yeah. going to get that magic going. And obvious to the audience, but also obvious to Giles. Giles is extremely concerned about willow's interest in magic and um he you know he, he tells her he's like you need to be careful you know we you're, you're opening a door that maybe you won't be able to close yeah and it's um and again like a reminder that like they are seniors in high school so they're like 17 i'm gonna say um mm-hmm. and that's like you're talking about dealing with like ancient forces here <laughs> we all did it in high school you know i did and i was school? lame <laughs> i was lame um <laughs> listen at this point in my life i had already killed an ancient vampire king and my boyfriend so sorry i was almost about to say like the name of somebody that i shouldn't bring up so <laughs> does it start with an a it does <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so we next go to the bronze, the real bronze this time, not a, uh, mm-hmm. not a dream, uh, not a fake bullshit dream bronze. Yeah, and uh, Willow and Oz are going at it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they are going at it, but like, uh, it's pretty tame going at it. Like they're. <laughs> I mean, it, it's go. It's it's significant for Willow to like. That's true. The public displays of affection have like. It's gone basically to... porn for Willow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, like Buffy shows up and she's like, "Oh, don't stop on my account." Um, but she doesn't say it that way because that way it was just like, "Oh, I'll watch." <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, and then. Uh, who should show up but Mr. Scott Hope? Scott Hope. And it's really funny because they're like, he's like, oh, uh, Willow said if I came at this time, you'd be here. <laughs> I'm not a very good liar. <laughs> and it's and it's 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 cute. Um, so with our second titular character, I'm gonna ask you again, what's your impression of Scott Hope? I think um at first I was okay with him. But then, like, as the episode went on, it became very obvious, uh, and I'm pretty sure, like, I felt this way uh, when I was originally watching the episode as well, um, the first time. I was like, he's very much meant to be, like, and we've seen Buffy come across, like, a couple of these guys already. Like, they're meant Mm -hmm. to be these, like, charming, nice guys that we know she's not going to end up with. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's like... 
it's like, hey, here's like another shot of this normal thing that you aren't ever going to get to have. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like, but that being said, Scott is, I think, like, up until the point when he gives her the ring, um, he's very good. He's, it's a very good level of charm and uh, niceness that he has. Uh, after mm. that, though, it gets a little like, ooh, maybe, maybe not give her, like, a ring that i know it's supposed to mean friendship but i mean that's yeah the, it, in irish culture it is like it is a crazy like relationship uh, engagement ring level of a gift so. i i have i have similar feelings towards scott i don't think there's i don't think he's like a bad guy or he's anything not. but and i do think i do think a lot of his appearances are in this episode he's he's pretty charming I, yeah, he makes a major misstep with the ring, even without knowing the backstory and what it yeah, means for yeah, Buffy. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I think um, I think if it's a girl that you're like literally just kind of starting to talk to, um, and I mean I, I say girl like it could be in any situation, but I feel like jewelry might be like a little too mm-hmm. early of a gift. I mean, you know, like obviously like there's flowers and like chocolates yeah. and stuff like that um and probably stuff that isn't as like lame and uh basic as that <laughs> but um but no like jewelry that's like that's like a you, got, a you gotta be in a it's either gotta be like a birthday thing or you gotta mm-hmm. be in like a relationship yeah yeah it's a it's an intense gift without the trauma that Buffy associates yeah. it with. Yeah, again, like, I'm, not pl- I'm not, like, I'm not even <laughs> just, bringing that stuff into account. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, um, Cordy and uh, Xander show up, and uh, Cordelia says, like... Cordy looks... I, I know I say this every week, <laughs> but Cordy looks, I, like, the red dress, the hair, and, and I didn't mention it in the first scene, but she's got this, like, black skirt with, like, a slit up the side... And like a red top, red and black are great colors on Cordy. Girl, also, girl other... knows how to get dressed to go out. I'm gonna say that. Oh yes, she um, yeah. Like, I, I feel like I have two modes when I'm talking about outfits on this show. It's either making fun of what Willow's wearing or like jizzing all over what Cordelia's wearing. Oh my! <laughs> Interesting word choice. I'm no, like, I chose it specifically. Um, anyway, so Xander and Cordelia. Um, I feel like this episode has been a lot of me saying anyways. Um, but uh, Cordelia says like, oh God, look at like, uh, look at like that uh, that one. Did she like say like there was like a slut out on the dance floor or something? Yes. She says, um, oh gosh, it's slutto-rama or something like that yeah and like uh oh look at her date when's the last time he danced to casey in the sunshine band what a reference i know like but it does lead into the next line where uh like as the couple as the dancing couple leaves the bronze buffy says oh i don't think sunshine is his thing and so yeah. they go out and they see that. And that's, um, a, that's kind of a callback to the pilot where Buffy identifies a vampire because his clothes are really outdated. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it's not something that's really come up since. That's um, true. So it's, I have nothing else to say other than that. Yeah, but. I liked it though. Uh, good job. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, so um, 
they see this girl like uh, this vampire. He does turn up to be a vampire. Uh, tries to attack her, uh, but then she kicks his ass and uh, mm-hmm. grabs the steak from Buffy. Introduces herself to Buffy yep. while she's you must fi- be Buffy. Yeah, I'm Faith. Yeah, while she's fighting this, uh, while she's fighting this vampire, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know what, Faith is so cool. She's like the coolest <laughs> person ever. Like okay, Willow. Well, I mean, like it's it's like we always knew that um, Buffy was a badass. Faith mm. is a badass bitch. Like yeah, I, no, she really makes quite a first entrance on yeah. the show. Like um, they, yeah, they 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 her entrance is really well done. We we learn so much about her just from this one moment this one brief interaction between Buffy and Faith yeah and then um, and then like she goes into like they're in the bronze and Faith is like just telling stories that Xander being the Chad that he is like (laughs) is listening like is listening to like a like a damn cat with a string or something or a dog with a bone or whatever uh, specifically because Faith is uh, naked in one of her stories. Yeah. So I will say I want to bring this up, and I want to I want to have a very brief discussion with you about it, Jason. Okay. Because um, I want to do some math, and I know that's not my strong suit, but um, so Cordelia helpfully um, reminds us of how this is possible that. Um, Buffy died. That led to Kendra being called. Right. Kendra died. This led to Faith. But timeline-wise, timeline that was... Um, if we're going by when these episodes aired, which the, sh- the show, for the most part, aired mostly when it was set, that would have been... Faith has been the Slayer for about five months. Yeah. But she comes across like... She's been doing this a lot longer. I think. Um, Do you know what? I, so I think um, I'm gonna say this. Uh, there are like a couple of um, a couple of people that I used to work with. Whenever they um, they were like always like uh, whenever like a new show came out, and uh, they would like get into it, and they would get into it hard. Like they would like that would be all that they would talk about um, because they didn't watch any other TV shows. It was just like, oh, just this one. Like, um, mm-hmm. a lot of them got really into, uh, oh, The Haunting of Hill House. That was, like, mm-hmm. one that they, that a lot of people in, the, in this lab went super hard for. And, um, and, like, that was literally all that they would talk about. So I feel like Faith has gotten these powers. She's gotten this call and um i mean you look at buffy she has like she has nights where she has to like fight a lot of different like mm-hmm. there she goes out on patrol so she probably like runs into vampires like i'd say maybe three out of the seven days of the week on average probably um yeah maybe right. maybe more maybe less but um so i feel like depends on what season it yeah, is. yeah i feel like uh and the way that faith is she, i could easily see her like kind of like going out for trouble but then like yeah. and then like she's able to 
this new thing that she is all about, she is ready to just launch into stories about it. Um, so that's yeah. kind of that's kind of my takeaway from it. Like I, I never once thought that uh, oh she's like she's been doing this a lot longer than Kendra's been dead. Um, I've I've okay. more just yeah I've more of just thought that's of it fair. as like oh as like she's just super into it. I I think that's a really good read. Um, the other potential read that I I would give into it that I've thought about. And I'm just going to say right here, we, we're we not going to find out. The show does not, other than uh, like brief uh, asides, does not delve into Faith's past a lot. Yeah. Um, but we do know, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm being very careful about my word choice because we are going to find out more about the Slayer lore and how it all works in later seasons but we do know from Kendra that she was identified as someone who could become a slayer at a young age and trained with a watcher for most of her life so but we also know that Buffy did not yeah and I think that so, might I think that might actually be about like um that might actually be kind of like more culture than anything else, um, because and, yeah. Well, and Faith or Kendra definitely mentions that in her culture, that it's a it's a big deal. Yeah, but I could easily see like um, Faith being a lot like Buffy because uh, mm -hmm. it's. I'm going to assume that like Faith is from Boston because she does mention Boston, and I know that's like where um, um, that's where yes, uh, and that's where like uh, Eliza Dushku set up base. Um, yeah, I, I think it is canon that. That she's from Boston. But yeah, like... And, and she definitely says... She says the word about in this episode at one point in an extremely Bostonian way. Yeah. The, I, I actually kind of noticed that too. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say that she... Uh, that like she's probably like along the same lines as Buffy. Like she probably didn't even get training until she was called mm -hmm. to be a slayer by the Watcher's Council. Speaking of which, her Watcher is not there um they she tells them that uh he's he is on the watcher's retreat and giles confirms that there is a watcher's retreat going on in england he wasn't invited and he is bitter yeah well from from the way that he says it this place sounds like a fucking party man <laughs> i'd be down to go to this watcher's retreat it actually like um, the things that they kind of described made me think a little bit about our cabin trips and like Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I do think it is significant. We don't know much about the council um, at this point, but I, I, I do think it's significant that Giles is the watcher to one of the slayers and yet was not invited to this this retreat. Yeah, then again, like that being said, from his past behavior, it always seems like Giles is Giles always seems like a little hesitant to get a hold of the Watcher's Council. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's more he of a absolutely yeah, does. it's more of a last resort sort of thing. Now, um, who knows? Maybe this will be important for future episodes. We'll I, see. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, and uh, so it looks like Faith is um, gonna try to uh, like gonna be staying in town for a while. 
um, Buffy. Yeah. Everyone is, everyone whose name is not Buffy is immediately taken by Faith. Oh, yeah. Especially and like, Xander and Willow. I love that, um, I love that Faith also says what everybody else feels about Giles, like, and by everybody else, I mean all the viewers, like, uh, yeah, dude is young You just mean me. Hot. You just mean me. No, no, because when we had our Buffy <laughs> Angel Watch Night, like, that actually surprised me. I was not aware that so many people are into Giles, but then, like, mm. like I was thinking, like, oh, people are going to talk about Angel or Spike. But, like, all the girls there were like, uh, no, Giles. I'm like, wait a minute. Do you guys all think Giles is hot? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> um, and you know who else thinks Giles is hot? Willow. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but when um, Faith has her line where she's she basically is like, Giles, you're hot. Buffy's like, raise your hand and if, if you're ew. Creep, yeah, if ew. And yeah. Xander raises his hand, but Willow doesn't. Willow does not raise her hand, and she kind of like looks towards Giles and smirks a little. (laughs) And we also know that Willow has a picture of Giles in her locker. Uh, Listen, that's all I'm saying. I'm just, I'm you're Giles headcanon going on here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would love to give head to Giles's canon. I'm going to, like, let that sit for just a little while longer. (laughs) Jason just looked right at me via FaceTime with, like, the deadest eyes. Like, (laughs) it's like, it's like, wow. I feel like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I might be the one who makes, like, crude remarks more often. But you were just, like, racking them up in this episode. Yeah. Um, Uh... I feel like you make them more often, but I'm more willing to go to a really nasty place. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know what, man? Quality I, over quantity. I am, I am proud of your, of you being able to openly display your sexuality. Yeah, I got arrested for that once. <laughs> your sexuality, not your sex. <laughs> All, All right. right. So, what are we talking about? <laughs> Um, oh yeah, um, Buffy. Uh, Buffy says like, "Oh, I'm going to go uh, eat dinner um, after I like patrol." And then she like, and then like Giles kind of like motions to Faith, and uh, Buffy's like, "Oh, which of course you're invited to." Um, but yeah, and like uh, when Buffy leaves the, uh, also um, Faith does use some very delightful lines like she is five by five. And uh, five by five. she likes calling Buffy B, which leads to like one of my favorite moments of the episode. Um, uh, when um, when they're like uh, when they leave the library. Um, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Did I skip ahead? Uh, you skipped ahead just slightly. Oh yeah, like but... um, Willow and Xander like take her out to um, Willow and Xander take Faith out of the library. While Giles is asking for more details mm-hmm. about um, season two's finale, uh, he yeah. should have just listened and to Booze and Buffy, <laughs> right? We had the we had the tea. Yeah, um, B- Buffy is very. While describing this to Giles, she's extremely glib about it. Yeah, and terse um, too. She 
Yeah, she literally just goes, she like, she's like, Akatha, Angel, me, sword, and then like leaves. Yeah. And, um, and he is, you know, still, I'm still presenting this, like, you know, I need to know this information because I need to, he, I, I don't even, I don't think we actually said this earlier, I can't remember, but like. He wants to do a binding spell on a cop. I said that. And yeah. he needs you did? Okay. I, good. Yeah. Um he he's needing this he needs really specific information. And Buffy is understandably like not budging to give it to him. Oh yeah. Um, because as much as she is, you know, I'm getting my life back, I am doing well. She has this trauma that she still needs to deal with. And um, we see it earlier when they're first, um, she's talking to Faith. Faith asks her, what was your toughest kill? And Buffy uh, flashes back to, to, to killing Angel. Yeah. Um, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that is like my one kind of sticking point on this episode. I hate the flashback to... Uh, um, to, to the killing of Angel when Faith asks that question. I do... I, I, I don't second, like it. Well, it's the second flashback to that that we've seen this episode. Yeah. And the first flashback made more sense. The second flashback made me feel like they didn't trust that I knew what Buffy's toughest kill was. And, and it also felt like the show was not trusting Sarah Michelle Gellar to convey that. And I think she was. Like, I think if they had left that flashback out and Faith had just said, what was your toughest kill? And we had just gotten to see Sarah Michelle Gellar deliver the line that she delivers. I would, I think I would have gotten it. I, I don't think I would have had any trouble. I, it was a little handholdy and I don't think it needed to be. It reminded me of, um, like the first Spider-Man movie when, um, like it's, it- are you going to? Just every time it flashes back to when goddamn Uncle Ben is killed? No. No, I'm talking no? about like, okay. um, it's the night after, or it's the day after um, Norman Osborn has like put the like performance enhancers in his system. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's this really stupid, um, like, uh, jump scare almost. Like, they threw a fucking mm-hmm. jump scare into a Spider Man movie. And it said, like, oh, what what happened? And it's like, oh, last night I was... Then it, like, shows this, like, really contrasting in volume, like, really high-pitched, like, squeal and showing him, like, um, doing, like, one of his spasms when he gets like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it just... It, it, it seemed very unnecessary. It still seems yeah. unnecessary. Years I later. I don't need... I don't need flashbacks to things I just saw. Yeah. Like, um, and... You know, I especially a flashback that we had already seen in the episode. Maybe if that, maybe if we hadn't had that earlier flashback and we hadn't had any talk of what had happened with Angel up to that point, it would have been appropriate to use that flashback. But Buffy has been talking about this, or well, refusing to talk about it for the whole episode. Yeah. So. Um, so, and it's, it's a minor quibble. It does not ruin this episode. I love this episode. It's really good. Um, I do think it's a misstep in the episode. Uh, Willow and Xander, like, point out, like, all sorts of different things from the past of the show. That's where Spike tried to kill us. 
that's where I almost got sucked into the stairwell. <laughs> and they're so casual about it. Yeah. Like, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, uh, Faith um, starts, like, talking to uh, Scott Hope while uh, before she says out. that, Before she talks to Scott, though, I think Faith has a line that is... I just want to point out because I think it's really important to her character and her arc. She says to Willow and Xander, like, if I had had friends like you in high school, well, I probably still would have dropped out, but I would have felt bad about it. Yeah. Oh, and she um, she also made the comment that, like, oh, Buffy's kind of, like, a little uptight. She needs to, like, really just kind of, like, oh, have some fun while she's slaying. Which is something mm-hmm. very interesting to hear about Buffy, because normally she's like the, like y- you compare to like how she was glib about this whole thing when Kendra was around, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so now she's like kind of taken this little bit of a, oh now I'm the responsible one. Yeah. No. So, uh, and we see in this episode, and we're going to continue to see. Um, you know, it's it, it, yeah. We're we're seeing this weird, an interesting spectrum of the Slayer with Kendra. Kendra was by the book, and Buffy was the irresponsible Slayer. And now we're seeing what an actual irresponsible Slayer looks like, and yeah. it really is like we're seeing Buffy is actually kind of the middle ground. Yeah, she's the healthy middle extremes. Yeah, um, and it may not feel like that to Buffy. But, you know, I'd much rather be in Buffy's situation than Faith or Kendra. Yeah. Um, But then again, we see more of a Buffy situation than we do those other Of course. Um, Yeah. Well, especially Kendra. But yeah, um, so Buffy is trying to, like, talk to um, uh, Xander and Willow. And I love that Willow's just like, oh, you just need to lighten up, B. Buffy. (laughs) <laughs> the Uffy. The Uffy. So that is, that's your favorite it is... of the B bit, right? Yeah. Okay. So mine comes a little later. Okay. Um, well, and I'll, when we get there, I'll, I'll, I'll point it out. But yeah. And then Buffy, uh, Buffy sees Faith, uh, possibly flirting with, uh, Scott Hope. And... Oh, I would not say possibly. Oh yeah. I would say actively flirting with Scott Hill. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, sure. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so she's like, come on, Faith. And, and uh, they go out to um, dinner with, uh, or they, the, their next destination is dinner at mm-hmm. uh, the Summer's house. We have a little scene with, uh, like, basically Mr. Trick is talking to Kakistos, and he's saying like, uh, oh, there's another Slayer here. Um, or there's already a Slayer here, which means that yeah. he, Kikistos is clearly looking for Faith. Um, yeah. In his first scene, he's very much like, I'm going to kill the Slayer. And if this is pre-Faith being introduced, yeah. so we are primed to be like, he's after Buffy. Um, so it is a nice, it's not a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a twist by any means. It's, a, it's a good, it's a good reveal. I like yes, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mr. Trick kills the pizza delivery guy. Um, and we're seeing, especially in this scene, Mr. Trick is very... I, I, I had not thought of this, but your comparison to Patrick Bateman, 
is is actually pretty apt. Very Thank you. um um maybe not necessarily in that like vanity way, but that like going about this in a very modern way. Um He does refer to himself he, later in the episode as the modern vampire. Yeah, he's he's like why would I go out in the hunt where I could just order delivery and kill whoever brings it to me? I do like, love how he's like, food's here, guys. And then just like yanks that pizza delivery person. Yeah. There. Another essential worker who um, has been, who has been hurt by the vampires. Oh boy. <laughs> but, um, there is kind of an interesting dichotomy between Kikistos and Mr. Trick. That Kikistos is this ancient vampire who we've, um, who we've kind of seen before, more or less. Um, the master, um, the like, Balthazar, you know, um, all those like yeah. ancient demons and stuff. Yeah, and and Mister Trick is more on the like spike end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so actually, this is something I was thinking as. Um, I was watching the episode that I that I wanted to bring up, and we're here. So, one of the things that does not work for me about Kikistos is we are um, more than once we have been introduced to a vampire who is like the oldest, the baddest, the dreaded. Um, the three even get name dropped in this episode. Yeah. Um, who are like to me one of the quintessential versions they're like the most bad who are very easily dispatched of by the end of the episode and it kind of makes me go like well okay I guess they weren't that bad and Kikistos falls into that category for me yeah what makes him a little better is how Faith reacts to him Um, the the personal connection that Faith has to him almost like it's from like almost it's like we gotta if like if uh, Faith had her own spinoff and then like that spinoff was canceled, but she came to Buffy, we saw like a little bit of like dangling plot thread from, uh, from Faith's show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually, that's a really good, um, uh, um, a comparison. The X-Files did that twice. Um, Kikistos is kind of like one of those, um, oh, uh, vampires that are so old and everything. And it kind of like, they've said that about so many different vampires that have been dispatched fairly easily. So it's kind of like out of the quest. Like it's lost its meaning. It's lost its oomph. Yes. Yeah. That, <laughs> you, you just summed it up perfectly. Like it is, it really is just like, uh, oh, okay. I, I immediately find Mr. Trick more interesting than Conquistos because... Well, it's show don't tell, you know. Yeah. What I see Mister Trick doing is interesting. I do feel like he's a a real threat. And well, I mean, he is I the one who survives this episode. Exactly. <laughs> I am told that Kikistos is the baddest of the bad, but he's dispatched pretty quickly. Yep. Um, we have a we have dinner with uh, Buffy, Joyce, and Faith, and. Uh, I love like um, how Joyce is getting really into talking about slaying with, um, with uh, with Faith, and um, and at first it seems a little weird, like why is she showing this much interest in Faith and not Buffy? But then I love the scene that follows 
because it's one of the best Buffy Joyce scenes. Um, it's so good. It's so I do want to before we get into that scene, I I do want to address um, how Faith is reacting or how Joyce is reacting to Faith from our kind of queer reading of the Slayer thing. Yeah. Um. So this feels very um deliberate and very real to me um you know when i came out to my family and i will say i've i had a positive coming out experience you know my family was very accepting and very loving but it was awkward at first because it was like how do we talk about this because Talking about sexuality with your family in any form is uncomfortable. Yeah. But when you are in a, you know, non, you know, anything that's non-heteronormative, you do need to talk about it for your own mental health. Um, so it's just, it is uncomfortable talking about that sort of thing with your family. And it was weird when I first came out kind of dancing around that subject. It was, you know... Um, I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to call out anyone in my family. Um, but like when John and I first started dating, because John and I first started dating not too long after I had come out to my family, um, I had had people in my family, not maliciously, but referred to him as my friend. And I had to be like, no, he's my boyfriend. Like, and I need you to say that. And, but it is uncomfortable. But yeah. you would also see you know, those same family members be able to talk about it, like, about other people. Like, those same family members who were really reticent to say John was my boyfriend would be like, oh, my neighbor's kid and her girlfriend. Like, you know? Um, because when, when, the, when there's a close list, when there's a family connection... There's an awkwardness. And I think we I think we see that a little where Joyce really struggled with with Buffy, but is so open and so curious and asking the questions of faith. And I do think some of that yeah, is partially um... on behalf of Buffy. Because I think some of the questions she's asking Faith. Are questions she wished she felt comfortable asking Buffy. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's that very much goes along with that reading. I am um, I kind of I, I have a little different bit of a take on it. I think oh, um, yeah, um, I think it's like I I felt it more as like she might it might be easier for her to talk about these things because one she's been like she's had Buffy doing it for like a little while now and she mm -hmm. knows about it. Um, Buffy is in like a better place with her friends. She's also in a better place with her mom. But then I think like the next scene with Joyce kind of like reveals her intentions. I think, um, yeah, she did mention how like, Oh, you have somebody like, this is going to get safer. You have somebody to share the load and maybe even she can take over, take over. You. So yes. that's kind of like, 
that was my read of it. Granted, Joyce does say like I've been trying to like march in march the, in in the, the Slayer, Slayer Pride Parade. Pride Parade. <laughs> so like I mean, and I there's think, well, and I think there's all all, all subtlety has been lost now. <laughs> I think both takes are accurate though. Yeah, because I, I think I mean I think one is text and one is subtext. Maybe I mean, maybe I, heterosexual. I keep forgetting to like <laughs> read it the other way. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> No, absolutely. Like, and it's obviously Buffy is not queer. Buffy is not, you know. Oh, I guess it does depend on what your definition of queer is, because there are, um, ironically, there is a spectrum of definitions of definitions. Queer. <laughs> um, but like, um, you know, it is a metaphor, and yes. I was about to be like, maybe it wasn't a metaphor they intended on until Joyce said Slayer Pride Parade. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay, well, that, that um, felt pretty deliberate. One um, thing I did, um, one thing I also really liked about this scene is that this is when they bring up the fact that Buffy died. Buffy died? For a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, like, everybody <laughs> always says, like, oh, just for a little bit, for a little while. And, um, but Joyce freaks out. It, as she should oh yeah this is so, it's so well done because Buffy tells her she's like don't mom you don't even understand like the only way to get a new slayer is if the old slayer dies and the second she says it Sarah Michelle Gellar does this just beautiful face acting of fuck I should not have said that and, yeah, Joy, and you see, Joyce you see the moment of Joyce it. going what you died <laughs> just for a minute right. Yeah, no, and I, I love, I love the um, just her line that says I don't want you to die, and because like I mean, it's it's something one, it's something that all parents feel for their children, but at the yeah. same time, with Buffy, it is so much more mm-hmm. in the realm for of most possibility. Parents, yeah, for most parents, that's a fear that they have. It doesn't need to be said. Yeah. Um, and this scene is good because it is funny. Like, Joyce's reaction is, you never told me you died. Like, and yeah. it is kind of like, it is played It is played slightly for laughs. I think the, this balance of the comedy of this, of like, you didn't tell me that. Like, it, it's almost like, like, you didn't tell me you failed this test. But, um, yeah. but yeah, the seriousness is still there. Um, and I think and you mentioned in the I'm last saying. episode, um, you mentioned the last episode, Joyce, uh, Joyce being in on knowing the secret of Buffy being a slayer adds like a lot of good new storytelling potential. And I think mm-hmm. this is like cashing in on that. Like this, if they're oh, able yeah. to have like this kind of, this kind of like really funny, but then an ultimately sweet uh, exchange between the two. Mm-hmm. And it also ties into Buffy's um, storyline in this episode with Giles of the truth about what happened with Angel. Yep. You know, Buffy is Buffy is not just telling the truth, the factual truths about her life, um, but also the emotional truths and the trauma that she has experienced um, to to the people that she loves. Um. Uh. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's a really good scene um, between between Buffy and and Joyce. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I do love like all this time, Faith is just stuffing her face with Joyce's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and 
you know, it's funny. We we talked so much about the Buffy and Joyce stuff, which is important. But this scene also deals a lot of the, this this kind of growing resentment that Buffy is feeling over Faith trying to, quote, single white female her. <laughs> and I love that Joyce says, like, I'm glad you were an only child. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I recently watched the movie Single White Female. Um, and have you ever seen it, Jason? I haven't. Okay, so um, uh, there's a podcast I listen to called Horror Queers. I think I've mentioned before, um, and they covered it on on their on their show. So I, I watched the movie, and it's Jennifer Jason Lee and Bridget Fonda. And Jennifer Jason Lee plays uh, this woman who becomes Bridget Fonda's roommate, and then is like obsessed with her and starts like trying to like take over her life and become her. Oh, so it's kind of like the talented Mr. Ripley, but with women. Um. I've not seen The Talented Mr. Ripley, but I do know Single White Female came first. So I'm okay. going to argue The Talented Mr. Ripley, or, or The Talented Mr. Ripley is Single White Female, but with men. Um, I will say this The Talented Mr. Ripley is a really good movie, and it has probably my favorite um, Jude Law in it. Like, Jude Law is very. Um, there's good Jude Law, like Gattaca Jude Law, and then there's like. Sherlock Holmes, Alfie, Jude Law. Um, not very good. So um, mm-hmm. I got to say, like, I, Talented Mr. Ripley is one of, is a, might be my favorite movie that has Jude Law in it. Um, Gattaca's pretty good. Um, trying to think of, like, another one off the top of my head. Uh, can't right now. I will definitely have to, have to check it out. Buffy and Faith are uh, going out on patrol, and they meet a bunch of uh, vampires. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. like Buffy kills one, and Faith fights another one. And while Buffy is getting like attacked by two at the same time, Faith is basically just punching this one to absolute mm-hmm. shit. And, you know, I get yeah. that that's cool, but at the same time, it's also not effective for vampires, especially when your friend, when your partner is getting beat up as well. So, yeah, I feel like this scene is a direct um, kind of, I uh, uh, um, can't think of the word I want to say, but like, uh, and it's basically pr- uh, saying what Joyce said in the last scene of like, this is good. You have a partner proving her wrong like faith is a liability in the scene she almost gets buffy killed yep um and 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 buffy calls her out on it yeah and it didn't help that they were like um they were fighting beforehand too like um yeah yeah like she called her b and then buffy's like f (laughs) f which is uh my favorite of the b thing i don't know f (laughs) <laughs> I loved it. I, I, <laughs> so, as um, in, fuck off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, I'm just going to say, their argument was a little sexy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to, I no, I, I, I firmly believe th- that it is canon that Faith has a crush on Buffy. Oh, hell yeah. I, I, I 100% believe that Faith has a big ass 
She, yeah, she's Janicean in Mean Girls. She has a big <laughs> lesbian crush <laughs> on her. <laughs> oh man, I would love um, to be the meat in that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I think you just I well, I don't know. I was about to be like, I have no perception of what's too nasty anymore. So <laughs> we're kinda like left all of our um, bars behind in this episode. <laughs> One of the vampires is like yelling, like for the glory of Kakistos or something at Buffy, and Buffy's like, "Interesting, <laughs> noted." And then like, and then proceeds to uh, kill them all. Actually, she doesn't. Uh, she kills because there were four vampires, and Buffy kills three from my count. Unless like mm-hmm. when she throws one of the two that were that were like ganging up on her, if she throws um, them off of her. Like, I only counted three, so I don't know if one ran away as vampires are wont to do, or what, but... Yeah, I'm not, I don't remember, honestly. I know Buffy... Uh, I know Buffy dusts one that she was fighting. No, I, yeah, three sounds about right. But I can't, I can't remember for sure. I don't either, but, um, Faith is like, oh, there's nothing wrong with what I was doing. Like, uh, yeah, if you have a problem with vampires getting hurt, then you're in the wrong line of work. Yeah, she she totally does not understand why Buffy is upset in the situation. Yep. Uh, Buffy uh, says the Sorry, I'm following along on the Buffy wiki. And uh, Buffy talks about, like... Um, yeah, she's talking to Giles um, about Faith and about, like, what these... Uh, what these two vampires are saying. I can't remember the first thing that she says. Um, like, but she does end up saying like taquitos or something like that. Um, um, it's, I wrote it down. Um, you did. It's, um, so first of all, actually, um, she's talking about face. She said, she has a line where she says, she's like, she's not playing with a full deck. She has almost no deck. She has a three. Um, which I enjoy. <laughs> um, but her three things that she calls Kakistos, and this is a recurring bit. We saw it with Akathla, um, that Buffy can never remember the names of the demons she has to fight. She calls him Kissing Toast, yeah. Taquitos, and Kissing Trousers. Yeah, uh, which we've already mentioned. By the way, speaking of recurring joke, I don't know if it's happened yet before this episode, but in this episode, it, the they leprechaun. Bring up, yes, they bring up leprechauns, which, and this is kind of a spoiler. This is the beginning of the joke. Yeah, this is kind of a spoiler, um, but not like a huge plot spoiler. It's just it is a recurring joke as the series goes on that of all the things that are present in the world, in this world, leprechauns are the one thing that are too ridiculous to be in this world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. this is where that joke begins. Okay, yeah, and that, and I think like this is the first time I've seen this episode since going through the series, the originally. So, <laughs> so it made me laugh. Like I actually, the one note that I made was leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just like wrote leprechaun down because I knew I had to make the note about this and bring this up. Nice. Um, so yeah, one of the one of the best recurring jokes in Buffy. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, despite Buffy's inability to say the proper name, Giles does get there <laughs> and correctly deduces that this is Kikistos, <laughs> who, as we've discussed, is a, you know, ancient vampire, super brutal, so old, his hands and feet have become cloven hooves. Okay. Like, yeah, and Buffy immediately is like, there's some connection between Faith and uh, Kakistos. And I'm not going to lie, as soon as, Bu- as soon as Giles phrased it that way, I'm like, oh, do you mean there's some connection between huh and huh? And <laughs> sorry, that's a spoiler for another day. Um, <laughs> Uh, wink to all those Buffy fans out there who uh, know what we're talking about. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, so this is when <laughs> we get to see where Scott gives Buffy the clotter ring. Um, and yes. his attempts at asking her out are initially successful. There's a, there's a Buster Keaton fest- film festival that weekend. Um, sure. <laughs> Buffy, you lock that boy up. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta love somebody who's all about Buster Keaton. And um, it's, it is sweet. I, it's, it's a cute scene. And, and then he just drops the ball with the, the clotter ring. And we, we kind of already discussed why this is not a good gift um, for him to give. And like, Harrison has told me that one of the problems that I have when I ask girls out is that I give gifts every now and again um and your uh, love language so is giving I gifts can that's, see like, that's okay but no i can kind of see why it's a problem in this episode in particular uh, <laughs> of course harrison did tell me like yeah but just because like you shouldn't give gifts to girls you're trying to ask out don't stop giving gifts to me yes <laughs> i am a very practical person who likes getting gifts it's true like you could just give him a gift for no reason and he would, like, take it no strings attached. Pretty much. Um, yeah. So, um, Giles comes a- comes across this, um, this interaction between the two of them. And, um, this is where we learn that Giles has gotten in touch with the Watcher's Council. And Fa- uh, Faith's Watcher is not at the retreat. Faith's Watcher is dead. Yep, he is Dunyan Rings. Yep. Um, actually, I think she. I think Giles or Giles or Buffy specifically refers to Face Watcher as female at one point. Yeah, you're right. I do remember that now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and um, so Buffy, Buffy goes to see Faith. Uh, we learn that Faith is staying in a really shitty motel. Yeah, and she even kind of makes this point when uh, Buffy shows up later, um, or Buffy shows up like right when um, she's do- Faith is done having the argument about like the rent for the hotel or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, "Oh, welcome to the uh, did you say the poor side of town or uh, or the dirty side of town or something like that?" Something, yeah, something yeah. like that. And I mean, you do have to remember like. Yeah, Buffy kind of has has it going pretty well for her. There's definitely like a yeah. um, an that, income gap. The there. summer's house is pretty nice. It is, mm-hmm. and um, we we didn't really mention this, but um, 
one thing we do learn definitively about Faith in this episode is that her mother is dead. Yep. Um, she, when she's fighting the vampires, she uh, fairly glibly says, my dead mother hits harder than that. So the, the three consistent things, the three specific concrete things we learn about Faith in this episode is that she dropped out of, uh, dropped out of high school and had no friends. Her mother has died and her watcher has been killed. Um, yeah, it's um, it's so, not the greatest of circumstances, and it makes it easier for the things that happen later in this season to happen. Um, it's such an yeah. interesting like dynamic to see like that, and we see a little bit of it in this episode. The um, like what happens when somebody with the strength of a slayer goes out of control, like she did when she was wailing on that vampire. Uh, this is basically where Buffy tells her that Kikistos is in town. And this uh, bravura that Faith has been like swinging around the whole episode vanishes. Like, Faith goes from this super self confident badass to a, a terrified teenager. Yeah. Yeah, in seconds. And when Kikistos attacks them, like, I think Eliza Dushku does this so well. She screams. Um, She is so terrified um, by by this. Um, And it's, it it is, for me, the one moment where Kikistos feels like an actual threat in the episode because Faith feels that Kikistos is an actual threat. And, uh, yeah, and she had been just telling Buffy earlier that, uh, that, um, she didn't tell Buffy and Giles and everybody that her washer was dead because she didn't want to think about the things that Kakistos did mm-hmm. to her watcher. So, yeah. um, I feel like, I feel like if Buffy were to see, um, I feel like at this point in the series, if Buffy were to see, like, um, the scariest if Buffy were to like see her fear it'd be like I don't know maybe the master being brought back to life because the master did technically kill her um, or even like Angelus even though like I feel that there'd be more fear of the master than when it comes to Angelus it's more of like more hatred slash conflicted love or whatever um, but yeah anyway that's something I was throwing out there yeah. So then we kind of just get the um, this climactic fight scene of the episode um, between Buffy, Faith, Kiki, and Kikistos. Um, I, I don't have a lot to say about this scene. It's, a, it's kind of your standard vamp fight scene, but we do get... Faith gets some catharsis um, by killing Kikistos, and Mr. Trick gets away... Um, do, do you have any thoughts about this scene? I wondered why Buffy's steak didn't work. Just like, oh, you're going to need a bigger steak. And it actually makes me think, like, yeah. maybe this guy is so fat that, like, Buffy couldn't penetrate <laughs> all of the fat to get to his heart. So you needed, like, a giant, like, pillar, a giant wooden pillar to go through him. It was really weird. It makes no sense outside of the fact that Faith needed to kill him and not Buffy. Yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like, 
honestly, that's kind of like the weakest part of the episode for me. Just like it, it felt like the character building for this was on point. The action was kind of like, uh, yeah, it's supposed to happen in a Buffy episode. There, it was. Yeah. It existed. Yep. Um, uh, Giles tells Buffy um, that uh, he talked to the Watchers Council, and they're going to send a replacement Watcher um, as soon as they can, and that uh, he's going to watch over Faith and Buff, both Faith and Buffy, until uh, that new Watcher gets here. And then we get, I think. Probably my favorite scene in the episode where um, presumably kind of inspired by um, Faith dealing with her own trauma and coming to terms with it, Buffy confesses to Giles and Willow the truth about um, uh, her killing Angel, that Willow's spell worked. Angel was reinsold, and it's just it's beautifully performed by Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, it's um, we get the return of one of the variations on the Buffy Angel love theme, and I just I think it's a really powerful scene. And then, but Buffy leaves, and Willow says to Giles like. I want to help you with the spell. And that's when Giles reveals there is no spell. And wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty, um, like, it's pretty just like, it takes your breath away. Just, um, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And, and it and takes Willow's breath away. Yeah. Willow's like, holy shit. And I have to say, I like that Giles is so empathic that he, he just knew that yeah. Buffy was holding something back. Um, yeah. And, like, nobody and else... And goes about it in such a way... Like, he knows she's keeping something from him, something she needs to say to be able to heal, but he doesn't pressure her. He doesn't, He doesn't like... He doesn't attack her like we saw everyone doing in the last episode. Yeah. He takes a very measured approach to it. To allow her to get there in a healthy way. It's beautiful. Yep. Um, yeah, and gosh, Giles has just been like on fire this whole <sighs> this whole season so far. Um, yeah. Buffy like waits for um Scott Hope to uh come out of class. And so like after a little bit of awkward uh flirting, uh she finally decides to Say, like, okay, let's... There's been, like, some crazy stuff going on with me, but I'm ready to, like, try this. Um, Let's go see Buster Keaton. He's like, okay, well, when do you want to go? And he does this, like... He does this admittedly adorable thing where he's just like, you know what, I'm just going to have to think about it. I have to think about it. Walks walks away, and then he's like, okay, yeah, I'm totally into it. Let's do it. (laughs) And um, Buffy says that she has one thing that she has to do before they go see the movies. Um, she goes to where um, Akathala and Angel died, and um, she, in a, like kind of like a symbolic kind of way of letting him go, she takes like the Clada ring that Angel gave her and sets it on the ground, and uh, then just walks says out, goodbye. says goodbye, and then walks Fades out. Black as end the, of episode. Uh, yeah, Nothing happens, right? Uh, well, there is like a there is another variation on the. Uh, 
Buffy Angel theme. But yeah. Yes, and it's gorgeous. Yep. Oh, by the way, uh, Angel. Uh, oh, what? Something else happened? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, Angel oh, kind of falls out of the air. Um, naked. Ass first. Yeah. He is he is um, ass naked and he falls out of the air and is on the ground covered in sweat and just has this horrified look on his face. Now the episode. My done. notes. My <laughs> notes say uh, Boreana's butt. Yeah, it's true. I also sorry. I I need to go back because I just noticed one of my notes that I didn't mention. Um, right after Faith and Buffy kill Kikistos. Um, Faith and Buffy both agree that they are hungry. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of tying back into Faith's earlier um, hungry and horny line. Yeah. Uh, so just want to like, throw we that actually out there. Never really, Maybe they're not we, so different. We, we, never really, uh, we never really mentioned that. I, I only said it, like, at the beginning of the episode. But, um, yeah, like, that is one of the things that, like, uh, Faith says in her, like, uh, avalanche of stories like gosh doesn't slaying make you so hungry and horny and everybody and looks, looks right at Buffy, Buffy and she's like <laughs> uh. um, so yeah that is um, also I just I, I, it's funny because I'm like I remember the first time I watched this episode the Scott Hope I was like oh yeah he seems sweet maybe this could like work out between Buffy and, and Scott and then Angel returns at the end of the episode and I was like oh never mind like, <laughs> there goes that. Um, so yeah, faith, hope, and trick. Um, what a good, what a good episode. Yeah, it's like, it's a very nice, subtle way of setting up season three's plot because now we're finally like getting into, like, we're done with the. Um, I I think we can officially say with like, obviously there are some scenes with Buffy and Angel coming up that are going to deal with like what happened. But I feel like at this point, all of our season two fallout is more or less taken care of with the exception of angel coming back. But, um, yeah, yeah, we can, we are really ready to move on to, uh, the season three storyline, which gets a really nice start here because it doesn't give the game away, um, right away. Like we only like, uh, only like eagle eyed viewers will be able to, uh, kind of guessed like what's what's the meat and potatoes of this actual season at yeah. this point um i think our three new characters are are good additions to the show um obviously particularly faith i just she makes such a dynamic entrance into the show um i so we talked at the end of last season about our feelings about kendra dying and we both kind of came to the conclusion that we, we wished Kendra had gotten more screen time and more development. But knowing what was coming, and we couldn't say at the time, but what was coming was Faith. Yep. Obviously, Kendra had to die for that to happen. Um, and she, she, and I hate to say this because I, I don't think this is Kendra's fault, but just Faith immediately is so dynamic and so interesting in a way that Kendra wasn't necessarily. Um, and again, it's like Kendra it's two was, very two very different takes on the Slayer. Yeah, and I think Kendra was interesting in the twist aspect, um, like what there's another Slayer, um, 
I think Faith is more interesting as a person. Um, but yes, you're right. Yeah, it's two polar opposites of of what being the Slayer is. Yep. Um, so, do you have any other any other thoughts about this this episode? Um, my drinking game is going to be uh, take a drink anytime Eliza Dushku just looks so damn hot. Ugh, she is. I can I can agree. She's very hot. She's actually. Um, um, I'm. Go for your drinking game first. Oh, I just say I had two because both of mine were really obvious. So I was like, I'm 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 just gonna say whichever one Jason doesn't, and you actually didn't say either of mine. Okay. So I'm gonna say one of them, and I'll save another one for another episode because it'll definitely come up. But. Um, I'm going to say take a drink anytime Buffy is called B by any character, Faith or Willow. <laughs> All right, there you go. Um, uh, Eliza Dushku is kind of like, a, it, it is like an important celebrity for me. Um, one reason is because, is obviously because of Buffy, but also there was this movie uh, that she was in called The New Guy. And uh, it's objectively, it's not a great movie, but I saw it. For some reason, and <laughs> loved it. I I saw it like one night on a uh, Comedy Central. I think I loved it. Um, Eliza Dushku is like the female lead in it, but it also has like a surprisingly like large cast, like Zoe Deschanel before she got big. Um, oh wow! And then like uh, DJ Qualls, like right around. This is kind of like his prime era because this is like when Road Trip and all the other movies that he was in were coming out. Um, and yeah, and there's just like a ridiculous amount of like late '90s, 2000 celebrities that show up throughout <laughs> the movie. Um, but yeah, um, but also Eliza Dushku is kind of like one of the first celebrities that I actually met. Um, I go to a lot of conventions. Um, now the first big convention I went to was in Chicago, and that is when I met another actress from Buffy, who we have yet to meet. Um, her name is Emma Caulfield. Um, and that was kind of like a... It's not too long until we get to meet her, though. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of a... It, it was like very unexpected. It kind of came out of nowhere that she was there. Because she wasn't there like as like a celebrity guest or whatever. She was more like kind of promoting this comic that she was writing. But um, uh, Eliza Dushku, um, who at the time, I think Dollhouse had just finished up its final season, was there like the next year. And her and Timo Pinnicket were there um, together, uh, two of the main characters from Dollhouse. And uh, I was happy to meet uh, Faith, or I was happy to meet her because of both Faith and the new guy, um, Timo Pinnicket. I was actually really happy to meet because um, he was a he was my favorite character in Battlestar Galactica. Um, but yeah, like it was really fun to meet her. Um, I still have like my autographed picture of her, and. Uh, yeah, she was always kind of like one of the first really big celebrities that I met. So, yeah. Very nice. Love her. Cool. Um, cool. I'm going to give uh, Faith, Hope, and Trick, I think, four out of five cloven hooves. I'm going to give this episode a four out of five endangered essential workers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, so I hope that they're safe. 
<laughs> oh, uh, one bit of trivia. Um, uh, the band playing at the Bronze is Darling Violetta, who uh, does the opening theme to Angel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sanctuary, that's the name of that song. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, uh, I this came up in an earlier episode. I think it was in Inca Mummy Girl when we had uh, we had Ben on. I confessed, I actually I like the Angel opening credits uh, song uh, much more than the Buffy credit song. Uh, ben did not take to that kindly, but I stand by it. <laughs> well, Ben has a problem with the visuals of the angel opening scene, opening credits um people looking up people looking up yep um <laughs> or is that was that was that ben or is that you i think it was both of us i think okay. we both i think we uh, okay. both raised that issue okay um either way like um i i really do love that song as well um i don't know like it, it's very hard to compare the two songs because they're oh, very they're different, very different. Yeah. Yeah, it is very much like apples and oranges, um, and they are they are each perfectly representational of the show they belong to. Yep, that's true. Yep. Um, my one last thought too is just that um, obviously we Angel returns in this episode. That's a huge deal. Um, the surprise of it is kind of ruined by both the fact that David Boreanaz was still in the opening credits. Yeah. Um, and, um, and this was really at a time where <coughs> opening credits didn't really change. Like, nowadays you get shows where, like, if, you're, if you don't appear in the episode, you're not in the opening credits. Um, yeah. Um, I think, but uh, you didn't see that as much in this time period. Since we've talked about it already, uh, Westworld has been like that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, because um, they're like, because Simon Quarterman only appears in like a couple of episodes this season so far, and he's only in yeah. the opening credits for those episodes. Right. Game of Thrones did the same thing. Um, and I'm sure that yeah. has to do with, obviously, the way television has changed and how contracts work in relation to how television has changed. But also, um, can you imagine, like, trying to fit every single cast member's name into every single Game of Thrones opening? Not that they have any problem, because right? the Game of Thrones openings are really long. <laughs> it is. Um, but um, also, at this point, the actually, the Angel spinoff was announced after Becoming Part 2 aired. So I okay. think... And I'm curious, it, listeners who watched the show when it was airing, was Angel coming back? Please reach out to us. Was Angel coming back a surprise? Or were you just like, was it inevitable? Were you just like, all right, is it just a matter of time? I'm, I'm curious to find out. Either way, we're very happy that it, that it was a thing that happened. Yeah. All right. Um, are you ready to... I th- actually, I think I'm taking... Oh, no, you're taking us out this week. I am. Yep. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Beauty and the Beast. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. Harrison is, or shit, Kaufman is spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. 
Uh, Harrison is spelled H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N if you are curious. <laughs> I'm Jason. You can find me online in, on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, it is uh, YamiJ357. On Twitter, it is just YamiJ. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube, where we will release a short video with each episode where we will discuss spoilers that we can't talk about on the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, such as the delightful Spoofy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we are highlighting Heart to Heart International. Uh, Heart to Heart International strengthens communities through improving health access, providing humanitarian development, and administrating crisis relief worldwide. They engage volunteers, collaborate with partners, and deploy resources to achieve this mission. Heart to Heart International has launched international, domestic, and local responses to COVID-19. HHI remains an active member of healthcare coalitions, providing gap support so that service organizations can continue to operate. Visit hearttoheart.org for more information. Awesome. Yeah. And as always, go slay and be gay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>